my name is Jalika Kumar um, from Mentra, and I am beating the often path by building a company to bring neuro inclusion to every Fortune 500 organization um, in America and eventually the world. Jalika Kumar is the founder and CEO of Mentra, a neurodivergent friendly talent platform that intelligently matches neurodiverse individuals with employers that value their strengths. Traditional talents and employment platforms tend to prioritize a certain kind of candidate, which can leave many highly capable people without meaningful work. As our world changes, we have to realize that neurodivergence is not a weakness, but rather a strength for many mission-critical roles, and large companies are starting to realize this, thanks to my guest today. Mentra puts recruiters in front of candidates rather than forcing them to navigate through the challenging process of finding a job. How? Through humanistic AI and community-driven design. It's an awesome concept whose time has most certainly come as we face a new frontier of AI and machines and so many problems we've never dealt with before as a species. I can't wait for you to meet right now Jilika Kumar. My name is Ross Palmer and this is Beat the Often Path. Well, that's a pretty fascinating and ambitious goal. So welcome to the show, Jellica. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, we finally made it work. It's Friday. I've got the Friday feeling. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got a shirt from Goodwill, and I feel like I'm in a Friday. You look much more professional than I do, which is, which is excellent. Um, how long have you been doing this? Well, I started in college when I was 19, and how long I've been built, you know, thinking about this for and building this um, as a side hustle around four years total. Um, but we started as a startup officially in March of 2022 um, as a, you know, full time on this mission. So okay. we got one and, and a half years. Like so many people do, this is a mission that is close to your heart from your family, as I understand. So explain to me how you ended up here. Totally. So... My brother, Vikram, is a non-speaking autistic individual, and um, he has complex support needs. And for most of my life, you know, we wondered if he could understand what we were saying. Um, he didn't give a lot of, a lot of eye contact. He, he seemed disconnected. Um, and then it wasn't until the age of 27 when, through technology, it was actually accessible technology um, and, an, and a letter board and an iPad, that my brother was able to type his first words. And he he was 27 when he did that, and the, one of the first things he shared was um, that he has eagle hearing. Was actually the first thing, and and I wondered for so long, you know, why did why was that the first thing that he typed to us? And I realized it's because he wanted to communicate that he uh, he was communicating that he could essentially hear what you know we were all saying. He could understand it. He was absorbing it, um, and he you know even when we thought he wasn't listening, he's fully cognitively competent and 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 understands and. And so that was sort of a huge revelatory experience for me, for my family, because, you know, it's not we realize it's not at all what meets the eye. Um, in fact, there's someone here with so much potential who's brilliant. He started writing poetry. He learned over five different languages from watching TV. Um, and we were like, he's brilliant and noticed that oftentimes there's you know, so many. In fact, one in every seven humans who are neurodivergent who are overlooked in 
today's world um, and, you know, significantly misunderstood. Um, I myself am a neurodivergent. Um, I learned in the last year and and have been underemployed and have felt that feeling of, you know, okay. my potential not being tapped into. Um, so trying to make a change in the world and in the workforce of the future. I could imagine that after 27 years of not being able to communicate, you could hear something like, there has been a pebble in my shoe for 27 years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. what, who knows what's <laughs> bottled up inside for so long. But it's interesting that the first words are, I've, I'm listening. It's quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. That pebble in the shoe is a perfect analogy because it's like, yeah, not even being able to express if you're hungry or if you're in pain or if you want to tell the person you love, you love them. Um, and so the pebble in the shoe is like, yes, the little problem that over it's like, time. This thing has been annoying me for so long. Just these things that we take for granted in terms of expression. And um, Mentra, Mentra.me, the project, which is related to Mentor. You mentioned that yourself, you feel underemployed, which we'll get to in a minute. I'm very curious to dig into that. But uh, the, the, the core idea is that there is a large percentage of the population, one out of seven people, who struggle, I think, to find work in traditional paths that don't cater to their needs or, more importantly, perhaps don't fully understand how to make use of people who are neurodivergent. Have I summed that up accurately? Yeah. It's, yeah, one in every seven humans who are neurodivergent, it's 80% under an unemployed um, part of the workforce. Um, oftentimes, the way that today's hiring systems and even technologies are built are to look at the very traditional linear um, measures of success, uh, like someone who has gone to college or uh, has had, you know, an internship or work experience. And oftentimes, for a population that has been so overlooked, that might not exist you know, that past work experience or education. However, there's a lot of potential um, and talent that does exist. And so figuring out how do we, you know, measure that non-traditional talent and really apply that to a job um, in a way that someone's, you know, feeling fully fulfilled when they walk into work from all dimensions of life um, and, and the workplace and driving economic value for the company. I think that's sort of the win-win situation that will hopefully lead humanity into this like era of prosperity, right? Because we're still, we still haven't cracked the code on, um, on everyone being, you know, tapped into. Yeah. Well, I love, it. I mean, it's a wonderful premise. It's a fabulous premise. That's why I wanted to have you on this show. Cause I think it's such a brilliant concept when you think of the capital and the human capital that's going to waste, just because we don't know how to use it, that's a big, big, big waste of money and time and resources. So four years in, what are some of the discoveries that you've made or what are some of the things that you know now in terms of finding good matches in, for work or employment for these people that you're working with? Totally. I think so. It is a two sided marketplace and actually it's three sided. But uh, for, for now, when we focus on the job seeker and the employer, um, for the job seeker, we're seeing, you know, finding work. There's all the, you know, applying to different job applications, figuring out, filling in the same answers over and over um, or different, you know, data points you have to share with different employers, writing individualized cover letters. I think all of that we're seeing, you know, is a lot of the manual mundane things, especially with the introduction of AI, like we can, you know, 
automate a lot of that. And that's exactly what we're doing is, you know, building a centralized application process. Um, so they're searching for a job, figuring out like, what am I really best suited for applying to the jobs, interviewing, which, you know, especially neurodivergents who might behave differently or might experience anxiety or like challenges when, you know, presenting oneself in a, in a professional way and, and knowing that you are being judged the whole time. Um, you know, that might not, you know, work for someone who, requires additional support needs or might have a, you know, unique style of communicating um, or, for example, might be, you know, deaf or blind and um, have, you know, require additional technologies that, you know, might seem, quote unquote, in inconvenient to a recruiter, like, you know, oh, why aren't they giving me eye contact and then disqualify the candidate entirely for that. So the interview process is a huge barrier. And then actually getting the job um, is another one that you get into the workforce. You know, how do you interact with your team? How do you share your um, divergence with everyone? How do you bring your authentic self to work? How do you cultivate trust with your manager and create that psychologically safe workspace? Um, there's so much that, you know, prevents someone from having that long term, like, you know, job fulfillment and retention. Um, so we're trying to solve, you know, the pain points at every step of the way. So it's sort of like this direct, you know, path towards your dream job rather than this maze. It's so cool. So what are some of the placements then or what are the types of jobs that people such as myself, just ignorant people don't know uh, or might not expect? Like wh where have you placed somebody that turned out it was a perfect or dream job for them that may not have been so obvious at first glance? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of the companies we work with are, are large enterprises, Fortune 500 organizations. And that, you know, first, uh, I'm just going to give like one example of a job seeker we placed. Um, they were actually homeless. They lived out of their car for some time. Um, they, you know, were, you know, found an apartment, finally were able to, um, you know, worked as a barista for a while, um, and then got actually upskilled in a boot camp. So during the pandemic, you know, how can I upskill my, myself and, and sought out a coding boot camp. And it wasn't until, you know, they sort of went through the process with Mentra, shared their neurodivergence, uncovered 70% of the data that we look at is not, com you know, collected on platforms like the LinkedIn's and in Indeed's. So we're looking at a lot of unique data um, about this population and then actually got placed in the job with a Fortune uh, 500 uh, financial organization. And so that was a huge, actually Fortune 100. And so that was a huge opportunity for them. They like drove across the country. We were on the phone with them. You know, they were like, you know, should I get an apartment? Is it okay if I live out of my car? And we're like, you can afford it now. Like you can get that, you know, place you want to stay. I mean, and, and, you know, have that shower and have access to those utilities and, you know, have that employment opportunity. So that was a huge, um, you know, f opportunity for that person to, to have that outcome in life. I think something that their, you know, family and friends and even themselves could have never thought would have been possible because of all the, you know, barriers we think, a lot yeah. of which are arbitrary um, to, to get a job. Um, so now they're hired there as a software engineer and are happily retained and, you know, excelling wow. and joining the ERGs and really giving back. And it's, it's really awesome to see. I bet that must make you feel incredible to have done that. <laughs> Totally a team effort. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're so you glad. You personally by part. yourself. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to have contributed to that. How about? Absolutely. Yeah. That, it, it's, it's great to, to think that we can, you know, 
open up some change someone's life to go in a different path than they would have beat the beat the often path you know yes, that's that's exactly, exactly. it because <laughs> the often path doesn't make room for them that's that's part of the premise of the show and this is why it's so important to me to explore all of the different ways some years ago, are you familiar with uh, the musician, a pianist named Derek Paravicini? Have you ever seen that documentary? It's it, That was my first uh, awakening. I mean, there have been many shows and documentaries about autism and love on the spectrum and things. It's become more part of our popular culture, I would say, of late. But let's say 15, 10, I don't know, a decade or more ago, I learned about this musician named Derek Paravicini who had severe autism and to the point where he couldn't tie his shoes, he couldn't eat food without assistance, do any of the day-to-day basic tasks, uh, couldn't get on a train, but he had universal perfect pitch and he had the gift of any time he heard a song in his entire life, heard it once, he retained it instantly and could play it on the piano instantly forever. So he could play any song, even if it was just somebody driving by in a car for three seconds, he would retain that song and be able to play it on the piano later. And they put him to the test in this documentary where you have hundreds of musicians playing a random note. They said, just play a random note. And he has a piano and he's just arpeggiating between all of these, like playing every single note that he hears. And that really clued me into the concept. And I think that's why we use the words neurodivergent, that different is not necessarily worse. It's just different and that along with perceiving the world in a different way, you can have vastly different strengths and weaknesses. And that guy had talents that nobody else who wasn't neurodivergent could possibly comprehend. So what are some of the talents or those hidden abilities that you've come across that make people who maybe have historically been seen as less than, not only not less than, but better than uh, other people at various different roles or capabilities. Totally. That, I love the the sound effect there. I, I instantly <laughs> got it. Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should check I, it out. It's very so, cool. I would love to watch that. Yeah. It's awesome. There, It'll some, blow your mind. Some really cool stories about, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's such a good point that folks who, who have, you know, different life experiences, different life paths, like, I think the the whole focus on the term, even the term neurodiversity, it's looking at the neurological strengths, you know, and diversity of this population, that diversity can actually be, you know, diversity of thought um, can be so powerful and helpful. And also can, as you said, like come with challenges and, you know, require support needs um, in order to succeed. And so some of the types of strengths we've, we've seen, you know, especially, first of all, the community is so vast. We have a whole list of um, really, really cool uh, strengths that we ask about. So, you know, hyper-focusability, some folks have exceptional mathematical skills that you can apply in, you know, IT roles, financial services, um, even accounting and, and even across like the insurance world. Um, we've seen a lot of folks that have exceptional interpersonal ability to be able to really make someone smile, make someone, you know, laugh, um, and also, you know, communicate effectively in a transaction. So, um, call centers, for example, are, are great places. And the beauty of a lot of these roles is that so they're, we're moving into an environment now where they are remote. Um, and so folks can work from their, their homes and have the opportunity to be more flexible. Um, and, and, and so th- those are just, you know, some of the skills, but I want to, you know, there's some really, really unique ones here that, um, I want to share with you. Exciting. Um, it, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> well, you look at that because 
it's it's about processing information at the end of the day, right? And that information could be data. It's about different sensory inputs, perceiving the inputs that come in differently, and that can yield some incredibly different outputs. Especially for folks who have like extreme, you know, passions, like really diving deep into something um, can then tell you absolutely everything about that, you know, topic. Um, so it's really cool that we see that. Okay, I found it. All right, um, let's go. So some cool things: um, innovation ability, empathy, um, pattern identification, um, the ability to memorize things, eidetic memory. My brother actually said he has that. So if he looks at a newspaper for a second and you pull it away and you ask him something very specific about what was said, uh, even if it was upside down, uh, I kid you not, he's able to tell no you way. the answer. Yeah. See, that's that's the kind of crazy stuff that you can't believe. Right. I mean, it's the, it's just like the brain is, you know, you think about it, he hasn't spoken a word in his entire life. And so if you think about the other aspects of the brain, the imagery, the visual, um, the memory retention, like that can be accentuated. Um, so, you know, going to like methodical task execution, um, so many of these, even ab ability to do something consistently and accurately, um, someone can just put their, you know, music on and do a repetitive task and do it yep. to the best of their ability and love doing that every day. Um, so there's so many strengths and then so many different applications across like the blue collar industries to the design and arts and entertainments to the technology, especially with AI emerging in all of these new roles like prompt engineering that don't require as much of a traditional, you know, CS computer science background um, that we can now start applying this to, especially for folks and, you know, passion for linguistics, for for the English language or just language in general. Um so we're excited well, to kind of train this population and, and, yeah. and make those matches. I'm living proof that talking a lot and intelligence are not linked. <laughs> I talk a lot. <laughs> I'm living proof that you can talk all the time and still be an idiot. Uh, <laughs> as anybody who's listened to the show will, will testify to. Uh, but I, I think it's such a well, fabulous idea. Well, you ask idea. great questions. So That's, you know, I ask questions because I don't have any work. answers. That's the thing. I have to ask. Just don't ask me any questions. I don't have any answers for you. Uh, I'm just trying to learn, but you, all right. So you were at school. Was it, uh, it was in Georgia, right? Yeah. I went to Georgia tech okay. and you had an influential professor there and that was sort of what pushed you into this path. So how did you get the seed that maybe this was something that you should make a business around versus study or go to school for, or do something else with these concepts? Yeah, I think the the goal, we, the, what we were trying to demonstrate was at the end of the day, we're trying to show that this population can yield like economic value, right? And there's like business value in hiring um, neurodivergence. Um, and so we wanted to, you know, start a, a company to show just like, you know, this is not, this is not a, a you know, virtue signaling or a, you know, a, a charity. This is like actually going to benefit your bottom line, your retention, your productivity. Um, and so we started this startup um, with my co-founder in college. We were, um, I had the really awesome privilege of an opportunity to present a TED talk, um, which um, was where oh, I met cool. my co-founder who was yeah. helping organize it. Wow. And sort of, yeah, came together and, and, um, and did a ton of research. Actually, we, we just spent almost a year just doing, you know, user research or customer discovery to really understand what are the, you know, especially in the Atlanta area, there's, 
um, a whole advocacy network we worked with to understand what are the pain points. Um, we saw a lot of you know parallels between folks with low support, support needs and complex support needs that just need a bit of adjustment in the work environment in order to succeed. It's almost like they needed a translation layer um, so yeah. that a recruiter who had never heard of neurodivergence before could understand them and, and, and not have a bias towards them or towards us. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by my agency, Aloha. That's A-L-O-A, a digital marketing agency that helps brands and nonprofits on a mission tell their story. We do website prototyping, design, UI, UX, SEO, CRO, 3D design, video editing, commercial creation, 2D animation, industrial design, content management, learning management systems, and our roots are in e-commerce, managing and building extensive catalogs with hundreds or even thousands of products. In short, we do everything brands need to grow their digital presence with simple, transparent, monthly a la carte pricing so you can just build exactly the modules that you need for your company or nonprofit. Learn more at aloha.agency. That's A-L-O-A dot agency. And now back to the show. Okay, so that segues perfectly to my next question. You mentioned that this is something that you recently discovered about yourself and get as personal as you feel or just say skip the question. But how has this impacted you in your own life and how did you become aware that you yourself were neurodivergent and, as you said, underemployed or perhaps not making the most of your skills before? Totally. So in college, I was always in like five clubs at the same time, um, was also like trying to, you know, do school and then, you know, talking to other entrepreneurs on campus or chatting with research professors, really sharing my mission because I knew that, you know, I was going to, I knew that my life would be devoted to empowering my brother and empowering individuals who live with disabilities, um, who oftentimes, you know, were born into circumstances outside of their control and um, to try to find equity. So, um, you know, always had like a, you know, social justice, um, you know, why can I, why do I have these opportunities to go to school? go to college, get a good degree. And my brother didn't. Um, and, you know, still living with my parents. So always kind of questioned that um, and was also just constantly exerting myself um, off, you know, with its own challenges of showing up late to things and, you know, not, um, you know, getting sometimes reprimanded in the class for like drawing on, you know, things and and not paying attention. Um, and there were certain subjects I excelled in certain I didn't. So sort of recognized that, okay, you know, my coworkers and, and my, my friends and all were like, hey, you know, ADHD is uh, something that, you know, a lot of folks with ADHD faced similar challenges. And I realized, especially because I was working in corporate America uh, right after college, um, I got this awesome opportunity with my co-founder to join a, a, you know, big organization and continue to work on my startup at the same time um, and like keep full ownership of the startup. And I was like, perfect. I can learn from, you know, the real world and go into HR systems and understand how it works on the back end and then build something for to solve the problem um, we saw in, in the workforce and sort of got to a point where, you know, there was a lot of um, just ending the day uh, completely like zapped of energy, you know, crying to myself, wondering like, why am I not um, like tapping into like, wh why do I feel like I'm so torn? And, and, and now I recognize that it was because I was masking um, and I was, you know, pretending to sort of be on top of everything 
to um, not be struggling on the inside, showed up to work with a straight face, you know, took took notes, sat in the background. Um, and there was actually so, especially when you, you're a social justice advocate and you see things that, you know, you wish you could change or like aren't in alignment with your, your own values. It's like, okay, you know, it, it just pulls at your heart so much to the point where it's like, why am I doing these two things? And um, the brain was just kind of, you know, being a little split in, in many directions. And so recognize that, you know, that that sometimes is a flaw of, of neurodivergence and especially folks with ADHD where, you know, you're, you take on too much and then you just can't do well at any at any of it. So kind of had some great mentors to to open my my um, sort of metaphorical eyes to say, hey, why don't you, you know, just zoom in on what you're really, really good at. Focus on your strengths. Don't try to compensate for your weaknesses. Um and that's when I recognized that that neurodivergence could be used as an asset. And so, um, yeah, went into sort of get a formal diagnosis, learned that I'm in hashtag ADHD um, and sort of, um, you know, a lot of sensory challenges and and social challenges and sort of things that come to fit together growing, you know, growing up. But I realize now that I'm still figuring it out. And um, especially as a, you know, someone in the working world is trying to, you know, make your mark and sort of work with large organizations to build that trust. Um, it's it's sometimes hard to kind of let the mask fully down and like really, yeah. you know, share what's what's going on. Um, but but I think I have an incredible team. Um, we're all neurodivergence ourselves. We're, we're, we're a neurodiverse team. And, and so that allows us to really mold and shape the neuro inclusive environment we want to build in the world by by doing it ourselves and and um, being there for each other and and sort of sharing what our needs are and our accommodations are and how we can work most productively um, and and being empathetic and understanding of that um, and and actually acting on it um, in our in our day day to day actions and in our environments. So yeah, it's been it's been a journey for sure. I definitely picked the second option of going deep into it. So thanks for offering me <laughs> yeah. both though. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's, you always secretly hope for that. Sometimes people are like, yeah, no. Mm, okay. <laughs> and they're like, Ugh, I'm sweating over here. It's hot enough, California. We got a heat wave going on. I'm sweating through my shirt as it is. No, that's a brilliant answer. And the thing that you said at the beginning, I wish I could just, I wish I could highlight something in the show. I wish I could just put a highlight or put some space around something. What you said at the beginning of that long answer about how you knew you were going to dedicate your life to your brother and to that cause. What a beautiful sentiment that is, and how very rare it is that somebody has such a clear and selfless purpose at such a young age, or ever, if we're being honest, that they have committed themselves to. Um, I think that's just marvelous. I don't have a question. That's awesome. I, I, have you just always been driven by that? Or is that something that got worse? Or was it always gnawing at you like a pebble in your shoe that you needed to be doing more as a quote-unquote social justice warrior? <laughs> totally. I think it was sort of, it just felt like a, a paradox almost, going to school every day, like having friends, you know, having opportunities, and then coming back home and my brother would be, you know, at home all day, going to special ed classes sometimes, um, not really, you know, 
oftentimes spending a lot of time absorbing and watching TV and listening to pie. And we try to stimulate his brain now as much as possible, but just thinking about like how important it is to apply that because, you know, even when I had half, like a little bit of it, you know, being utilized in, in a job, I, it felt just so, you know, I was like, what is the meaning? What is the purpose here? And I think for folks who are driven by making the world a better place, tapping into that, like you know that quote, like icky guy. It's like what the world yeah. needs, what you're good at, and I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there is money, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What I've drives been economic told. value, right? <laughs> so it's like, why shouldn't everyone have that? You know, and and yeah. and why is it that only? It's sort of where it's not a level playing field, clearly. So I think loving him so deeply um has really been like the driving force and and trying to find just a way for you know him to all of us really to have that peace of mind knowing that we're contributing to a better world and we can make money on the way and and find that fulfillment on the journey um yeah that's that's the inclusive world i hope that we can live in all live in one day i am right there with you i hope for the very same thing it's a beautiful vision of the future so you were living a dual life, to quote The Matrix. Does anybody even still know that movie? I don't know. You, it seems you've been living two lives, Jellica. <laughs> one of you was working in corporate America. The other one was noticing social justice problems. Uh, when you made the switch, how did you make the switch to go all in on what really mattered to you? And how did you notice your own life and brain and your own motivation change when you made that switch fully? To continue with the metaphor, it was taking the red pill. It was realizing that um, it, I needed to step out into the unknown. Um, and, and, you know, there were so many signs uh, from the universe sort of demonstrating there was like something was right. You know, employers were, you know, we were talking with Microsoft and so many other companies and there was clearly a need. Um, and we had won a grant from the federal government, um, competing over with over against over 60 companies. We won a grant from Microsoft over, you know, 500 K and sort of funding we had received and realizing that, okay, you know, it's time to, to take that step. And so we actually went out to raise capital. Um, and it was, total coincidence that after I quit my job, um, what bumped into a founder um, based in Charlotte, where our startup is, who had gone through YC and was connected with Sam Altman, who, you know, ChatGPT, OpenAI, um, and, you know, specifically his his, his fund, uh, Apollo Projects and Hydrazine Capital, now Hydrazine Capital. And so, you know, we had a, a call with his fund manager, Ryan Cohen, who's awesome. And he sort of saw that, you know, there a lot of times these projects go underfunded, especially with like grants and things from out of college that are sometimes, you know, on the East Coast and there's a lot of, you know, capital on the West. So really trying to deploy that um, more equitably around the country. And and so he, you know, we met with Sam for, for I think it was 15 minutes and asked a ton of, he asked a ton of questions. We answered a ton of questions. We asked a ton of questions and he had conviction. Um, he shares, you know, he's neurodivergent himself. A lot of folks from OpenAI are too. Um, and so really believes in the future of building an inclusive workplace, which um, really was what catapulted us into the full-time world. Um, we brought on five teammates full-time and then um, just in the last two months raised our, our um, seed round of, um, you know, 
uh, 3.5 million and super happy to have oversubscribed um, with so much interest from the venture world, which, you know, is sometimes when you think about um, neurodivergence and demonstrating the business value, we're like, we finally got the message through. Yeah. Like folks are, you know, there's, there's money being put behind That's this. Really exciting. validation. Huge. Yeah. And we were able to sort of grow the team and expand to over now 15 teammates. Um, we're serving, large, uh, over 15, you know, enterprises and, and getting neurodivergence placed. Uh, we have over 30,000 users on the platform who are job seekers using this tool. It's sort of like imagine a LinkedIn for the neurodiverse population. It's built to be cognitively accessible, um, for this population. And we're using a lot of, um, the beauty of AI here to make matches that are not just based on keywords or, you know, past experience, but looking a lot more deeper into one's neurotype, understanding one's neuroexceptional strengths, one's um, environmental support needs and accommodations, um, and really making a very holistic match with the jobs of today and the jobs of tomorrow, which will look completely different than the workforce of today. But we're excited to be building for that. That's just so awesome. Congratulations on the validation. So now that you're, you know, I know the war is not over yet. I know you're still very much in the middle of this. But do you feel that you can now fully be your authentic self on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you feel that you show up each day as the real you? Or do you still sometimes struggle with that? Such a good question. Um, I think that especially as, you know, a woman, a person of color, and you're a virgin, there's just like a lot of, um, especially when you go into like the fundraising world, but in general, there's a lot of... Um, you know, sometimes bias and stigma placed against you. But I think overall, like I'm every single day working towards like owning more of that and like being more of myself. And I think, you know, when I when we have like the, the metrics and like, you know, the actual evidence that this is working, it gives me more, you know, sort of excitement to show that, okay, being my authentic self can reap these results, like, you know, trying to be the living proof that this is possible. Um, so it, it's, it's, you know, a daily work in progress to figure out like what works, you know, for me, for my team. Um, and I think like, especially when it comes to working with other individuals, like trying to be as communicative as possible about, um, how we all feel and, and what makes us more productive. I think, it seems like, okay, it's like, you know, sure, it's helpful to, you know, express yourself. But I think more than that, it's like, well, that makes me like 20 to 30 times more productive. And as a member of this company, like, wouldn't you want that for me? Don't you think <laughs> yeah. we can then move 10 times faster? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's it, you know, it's both like, a you know, a nice sentiment, but it's just also reaps immense business and yeah, reward that is a daily, daily journey for sure. Yeah. Well, it seems like the world is reflecting back to you that, yes, you are on the right track. If you have any doubts, <laughs> let me be another voice in your head that says you're definitely on the right track. Keep going. Uh, it's a fabulous mission. And I think the fact that so many important people have, you know, taken note of it should be a clear indicator that you really tapped into something here. Yeah. Actually, we were just, I just got back last night from um, this huge conference called Disability In. Um, and it was so exciting that neurodiversity was one of the, you know, topics, the key topics of the entire event. Um, and 
Jenny Lee Fleury, who's the chief accessibility officer at Microsoft, was so incredibly awesome to have us come up on stage at during the keynote. Um, and it was, you know, it's perfect timing, too, because all of the companies there were like asking the question of how can we be neuroinclusive? Like, how can we build an, uh, a workforce that's inclusive of this population? And like, like we talked about AI. Yeah, I was like, that is yeah, it was so cool because we got to also talk about that in the context of AI and the context of all these changes happening and like with all of this technology that we can now use because it's again, it's it's not a binary match anymore. It's like we can go so much deeper to understand the human being, what their learning style is, what their aptitude looks like and, and how they perform and like really optimize for a match that, you know, really harnesses and, you know, taps into all of those. So that's. The mo- one of the most exciting parts of all of this um, is sort of the the AI revolution and the inclusion revolution both happening at the same right. time. And one of the most interesting things, because obviously ChatGPT is the topic du jour right now. It's uh, the most important thing everybody's chatting about. Uh, but of course, what we're all thinking collectively as a society is how is this tool going to change our jobs, our work, how we all make money, what jobs are going to go away, what jobs are going to be created. And it's very clear that our way of interfacing with work is about to change and that many traditional roles are going to go away. And like you hinted at earlier, generating the right prompts for AI is a skill. Generating the right tasks for AI to do is a new job field that's going to be emerging. So as our way of communicating and getting things done changes with this technology, the types of personalities and traits and ways of thinking about things are also going to change in terms of what's been historically valued and what might be valued 10, 20, 30 years from now in the new economy. So the idea that we're just going to stick to this 1960s paradigm of what kind of person will be the most successful I think even now we're seeing that that is no longer the case as different types of people from different types of backgrounds are becoming enormously successful doing things that didn't even exist 15, 20 years ago in ways that didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. Do you feel that intuitively yourself? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like Some of the world's greatest innovators, Elon Musk, Greta Thunberg, Alan Turing, even like you know, Bill Gates and so many others who are in Steve Jobs, you know, I can go on the Albert Einstein, Walt Disney, so many of whom were neurodivergent are like, have transformed the way humanity is now structured and organized and like has built, brought so much value um, to humanity and society as a whole. So it's, I think when we think about, okay, what's the common thread amongst all of these innovators? And we're like, oh, wait, they are, you know, they all do think super differently, like the most yes. divergent thinking in the world. Um, so that's awesome. And uh, when we think about suddenly like, the weakness becomes a superpower. <laughs> suddenly it's like, dang it, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and when we look at like, how can we, you know, build tools like it's like, OK, is AI all going, you know, going to take over jobs? And like, yes, it is really, really scary. And at the same time, it's going to create this whole new it's, it's almost like a whole new um, set of roles that will require some of which might not even require, you know, education and work experience necessarily. So it's going to provide us with the opportunity to 
level the playing field in a lot of ways because everyone now needs to learn these new skills. And if we can reskill an entire population who has been left out, you know, individuals with disabilities, neurodivergence who, you know, are systemically under and un unemployed, we can bring that reskilling, then there's like a massive workforce shift where we're like, you know, it's it's not lopsided anymore. We can balance it out with everyone. Um, and then and then you look at like better job fits and something really, really cool that I have to give a shout out to while I'm here is something awesome we're building is actually called Neuro. And Neuro is a virtual job coach um, leveraging OpenAI's technology to understand the entire, you know, user data that we're collecting and then be able to help with writing cover letters, with optimizing resumes for certain jobs, with um, professional email etiquette. That's that's a tough one. We've we've seen folks sometimes struggle with like instead of taking, you know, days to respond to an employer or recruiter, you can take minutes with them someone proofreading everything you're writing. So it's just like making um, folks a lot more efficient and, and really empowering neurodivergence with that um, additional support that could be so helpful and can also be applicable in so many different contexts. So a lot of cool things coming out of this. Definitely. Uh, I just want to say that you've been very generous with your time. It's, uh, you know, thank you so much. And um I, yeah, I'm glad that you found your path, and I'm glad that you found a way to be enthusiastic and excited about all of this. It's just your enthusiasm is infectious, and it's I, I have no doubt that many more people will continue to support you. So I hope you consider yourself to be employed now, not underemployed. But I hope you feel <laughs> that these days you're just employed. <laughs> the cup is overflowing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And may, may you one day be overemployed as you rise <laughs> up the ladder. <laughs> and maybe one day we'll look around and say, I'm not really doing a whole lot for all the tens of millions of dollars that they just dump into my bank account. Um, <laughs> but I think the world is a better place for you exercising your talent and your vision. And I appreciate you sitting and taking the time to chat with me. Um, I think your brother is also very lucky to have you in his life. And I'm sure he feels that way as well. So as a parting word, um, if you'd like to close us down, any words of wisdom that you'd like to offer or a general something worth sharing, now's the Totally. Chance. Yeah. Um, and I am lucky to have him as a brother, too. And, and thank you for sharing that. Um, in terms of um, one thing I wanted to share is it's so interesting because even for companies or employees that aren't thinking about this population, if you think about it, there's this $1 trillion turnover problem every year companies face. There's, you know, folks that are entire generation of folks that are silent quitting, mental health challenges in the workplace. And then there's this population that's overlooked. And so if, you th if we think about like, there's something that's not working um, with the way today's workforces are built. And if we are able to, using universal design, solve for the most complex user, exactly, it can really apply to neurodivergence as a, and the, the neurodiverse, you know, it, it can apply to the entire human population um, and we can benefit everyone um, with a more, you know, empathetic, humane workforce. Um, and, 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 you know, you do spend what 70 to 80% of your, your life in a job. Um, so how can you make that a really enjoyable experience, um, and contribute to the, the something greater than yourself? Um, so just wanted to share that for a lot of the companies that are like, okay, well, how is this relevant? Or maybe I could hire, you know, one or two folks. It's like, no, this is an entire cultural shift. It's, yeah. it's changing the way you currently operate there's so many folks in your organization today that are, if it's one in every seven worldwide, then there's probably one in every seven in your company. Um, so let's think about 
you know, really empowering them and then opening that up to the broader community of talent. Awesome. What a great way to wrap it up. The website is Mentra, M-E-N-T-R-A dot Dot com. It's actually dot com now. Oh, we just got the domain dot com. name. Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving up. <laughs> yeah. Mentra dot com, M-E-N-T-R-A dot com. Uh, anywhere else they can find you and support you? Yeah, I mean, reach out on LinkedIn. Um, Jolika Kumar, we have a our op- bopping and popping on LinkedIn as well with our Mentra page. So do connect with us to check out all the cool work we're doing um, across the States and hopefully across the world one day. Well, that's a great way to wrap it up. Thanks, Jolika. It's been an absolute pleasure. And with that, the official podcast is over. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.